Do you have random information wasting away in your brain? Share it with me. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and teach me something in the comments and I'll read it on the show for other people who have information sitting in their brain just wasting away that I could be reading on the show. Also, if you'd like to help us pay our guests and produce the show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash what's my thesis. Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, actually, I just wanted to ask you, uh, listening to you talk, is is how do you think where we're headed with like climate change and because uh, um, it, uh, you know, while we were while we've been talking, it has occurred to me that, um, you know, I have a thing that I talk about how like capitalism, we say it's the most virtuous like. Um, way of doing business but it is kind of the most obvious and the most basic right like when (laughs) when the apocalypse happens from climate change we're going to be bartering right because that's like an easy way of handling we may not have money but and so that's like a very um it's like an intro way to get into having an economy it's post-feudal you know (laughs) It, it comes out of the feudal system and um you know there's sort of we can think of it in terms of like, well, now, now the feudal system is not necessarily your land landowner, but it probably is also your landowner, but it's your boss, right? Like you're yeah. exchanging labor for an amount of currency, which, you know, we talk about um, raising the minimum wage and things like that. Like it's definitely hard in Los Angeles right now to um, make a living and more so as an artist, certainly. Um, but that like, uh, post-feudal capitalism, which sort of comes out of the French Revolution, is based on the feudal system that you're paying homage to, whether it be your boss or your landlord or whoever it is, and then you know some portion of your profits become theirs. Yeah. Um, it's just a readaptation, in my mind, of of the feudal system. Yeah, hasn't well, changed that much. And one of the one of the systems that I find interesting is. Um, the the concept of universal basic income mm-hmm. reminds me an awful lot of the system of patronage that uh, was a thing during the Roman Empire. Oh sure, bread where, and circuses. <laughs> <laughs> where yeah, where people were just like your daily routine was that you would go to your visit your rich patrons and then right. talk to them, collect a little cash from them. It was like panhandling, but like going into people's homes. Kind well, of you just described also the gallery system <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> and elsewhere is the you know your patron is the guy who can sell your work um at this point and you know historically it was the church or the ruler or whoever had money yeah and then coming out of the industrial revolution you know you have a middle class um again going back to that like the adaptation of feudalism into what we now call late stage capitalism um and artists are still beholden to their proprietor, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't have a sponsor as much as maybe some artists do, but, um, you are indebted to your gallery or, you know, whoever's willing to show your work and try and sell it. I, it just occurs to me that regular listens to listeners of this show are going to be like, Oh, this guy wants to be friends. Javier wants to be friends with this guy. now. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, we could be having these conversations all the time. Well, man. <laughs> I'd say maybe a second podcast. I mean, yeah. and, th- and that's why we run the gallery the way that we do, you know, we're really interested in showing the work that we want to show and not having to be, you know, we pay rent. Yeah. Um, the individual members pay rent each month and that's how we afford to have our space. And then we fundraise for sort of special events, things like OPAF, where we're building yeah, yeah. work that's new, um, for that. But 
the way that the gallery is structured. We just want to be able to show good work and not have to worry about the capital constraints of it. You know, yeah. I could give a less, I, I wouldn't say this to my artists, but I could give a shit less if something sells in a show, right? Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm more interested in, at least for the shows that I curate, um, sort of the contextuality of the, you know, two or more bodies of work together in the same space in conversation with one another than I am about um, my ability to sell that work. And there's uh, David Jocelet who wrote After Art talks about this and he sort of talks about the decommodification of the image to the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that essentially, right, like what we do as visual artists is we are making images, like whether it be performance or sculpture or painting, um, in my case, it's sculpture. Um, and, and, and that through, through the internet, through the availability of images, like it has so decommodified, right? Like mm. I don't need to go see the Mona Lisa. I've seen, you know, yeah. everything from UV scans to cat scans of it, close up, uh, you see what he painted before underneath and all that. Um, so there is sort of like a decommodification of, of the image itself, art mm. itself in, so in sort of like a socialist way, right? Like it's like, it's, it's given it away for free, um, which kind of eliminates that middleman, the, the, the feudal Lord, whether it be a gallerist, a landlord or your boss. Yeah. Um, so he has some interesting ideas about, um, going forward and, and, and definitely a Marxist, I would say, if you take a look at that book, it's a pretty good little yeah. read. Interesting. Are you, do you, so like, um, I just, my neck. <laughs> uh, so where do you, where do you see us now? Like what, what, or, or, or do you feel like we are, uh, first of all, well, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to give Trump too much credit. Right. Like, I I, I sort of feel like he's just... Uh, <laughs> Rampant? Just something that we've, like, vomited out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> through our culture, through, like, just... The, it's, like, it's, it's such a sad reflection, you know? And I, I do think... I feel like a lot of the reaction that specifically white people have had is they are reacting to the politics of family members that mm-hmm. maybe are back home. See, like, I don't have that problem, you know? Same. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, the, it seems a little hysterical. But um, but but it's definitely an important moment. Like, I, I, I think that what is happening in terms of, uh, you, you know, and... and um, even like you were you like you keep saying there's just so many it's a web of so many related mm. issues where where for example the immigration issue is tied to the war uh, issue and the and and the rampant capitalism that's been allowed to happen with <laughs> the production of like you know you've already mentioned Raytheon and a couple other sure. companies so very i think i feel like there is maybe for the first time an acknowledgement of class um, because so many people are in mass being demoted in class. Sure. And I don't think that, uh, you know, Trump has been the best thing to ever happen to the Democratic Party in a lot of ways or whichever party you identify with Um, just because he's so violated the norms and and it's been such a large paradigm shift that, you know, as we slowly march towards uh, dictatorship, it's really unified us. The question is, is can we get clean elections? Nothing changes until that guy's gone. Um, So when you're asking about where we are, I I mean... um, frustrated, upset, ready for California to go it alone. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's form a Western block and we can just be <laughs> California, Oregon and Washington and we can have great water and great air and not worry about what fucking Idaho or Oklahoma wants to do and poisoning yeah. their land. And So do you, do you, I've recently heard that we're, uh, we're the fifth largest economy and Russia is, a, is the sixth. Right. We just recently, <laughs> we just recently surpassed the UK, um, to become the fifth largest. And I, I think then oh, maybe UK yeah. and then Russia, but you know, economic sanctions on Russia have really taken their toll. Yeah. Um, 
but it would be it but it is nice that we can compete with like <laughs> oh my god what would the rest of the u.s be without us too well here's the thing is we live in a state that pays way more taxes than we get back in federal dollars we yeah. basically support you know a good however much you want to say at the other states but if you look at the breakdown uh, the conservative states take more than they give back. And California and New York are obviously the two powerhouses of, um, you know, generating wealth. And now the question is, 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 is how that wealth is distributed, I think, is um, kind of the point that we're at. But, yeah, I mean, California's a powerhouse. I say, fuck, fuck them. Fuck everybody. Fuck them. <laughs> so you know, you're a secessionist. Ab- Abraham Lincoln should have, <laughs> yeah, Abraham Lincoln should have won the war, ended slavery, and then been like, all right, you, you all do whatever you want. Like, you get, we would have been much better off as the Union and, uh, you know, obviously we had to end the evil of slavery, but I'm not sure that you... The South, as, okay. This part you can delete. <laughs> no, actually, I, I, I do. I one of my major points that I try to put out there mm-hmm. is that capitalism thrives on slavery. Always oh, yeah. has. Always will. Yeah. So it is a very primitive form of of, of government or yeah. of, uh, economic system, right? right. Um, like you said, it. it it sort of elevated uh, serfs mm-hmm. to positions uh, where they held wealth over other people. But sure. yeah, and one of the interesting points that I, I th- distinctions that like I think a lot of people think that they're capitalists, uh-huh. but they're actually not because you have to have capital to be a capitalist. You right. you you may believe and aspire to be a capitalist mm-hmm. but you are a worker right. like that's just your class until and i you, depend yeah. on the social services you know obamacare saved my life when i had sepsis in my left leg that i didn't have insurance for you know 15 years after i was 22 i just had yeah. no insurance and then that law came along and really um saved my life so i am i'm, I'm definitely um uh, socialist minded, I would say, I believe in social programs. I think the, the utmost, uh, form of government is sort of the, um, Scandinavian, uh, social democracies where there's Mm -hmm. a lot of public assistance. Um, it's funny you bring up, um, uh, standardized income, right? Where everyone gets a slice of the pie. Yeah. Finland did a project program with it that apparently failed pretty miserably yeah. where they give people $2,000 a month in a, in a, in a subset. And it just didn't, it didn't drive, um, the economy the way they said it would. And I think back to, do you remember, um, George Bush, uh, we, we had a surplus, right? Like Bill Clinton had brought us back yeah, to yeah. the country was actually making money. We still had a huge deficit, but um, we were actually making money and George Bush in his, I think his first year gave us all like a $250 pay cut. Like that was only for pull it to you. No, like <laughs> that was going to stimulate the economy and, uh, you know, that didn't. And, and, and so he started some wars to, uh, win reelection. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't seem, I, I agree with the social pro- programs like, um, SNAP food stamps, WIC, and all that, and that should be expanded, free access to um, at least junior college, I think, is really necessary. Um, and I like what Pete Buttigieg is saying about, like, well, no, college shouldn't be free for everyone. It should mm-hmm. be free for low- and middle-income students, and students who can afford it should have to pay, um, yeah. which is sort of an interesting um, uh, in-between take, but it... it, it, it in in the way that you know the very wealthy still get social security. Well, I think that all social uh, all security is or, or all uh, social programs are basically going to the wealthy, right? Like for if, they're if, able in, to manipulate the system in a way that that's the result. Yes. Well, that's why they don't pay taxes and things right. like that. Like well, I guess one of the things that Bernie Sanders says is that it's um, that it's corporate. Or actually, Ralph Nader said it like. When I, you know, in the early 2000s, when I was living in Maryland, I remember reading an article where he calls it corporate socialism, which is, it's, it's true and has been true. Um, and I think that like, uh, going back to the, the borders thing, like borders pretty much at this point exist entirely or exclusively to keep people bound in, right? It's not to keep people out. 
for example, with like for uh, uh, a lot of the policies of like NAFTA and mm-hmm. whatnot, like remember Ross Perot who was talking about how uh, that sucking sound. <laughs> I do. I just you know they just replayed all his stuff the day that he passed, and I, I didn't see any of that. That man was a nightmare as well. Yeah, um, he was a fucking crazy person, but yeah. but he did see some certain things about how the economy was going to be. Like actually, he has he's very problematic. The dollar did an ev- other episode entirely on him. But then the same thing for John McCain, all these like oh. fucking people, you know. Um, but the, the what ended up happening is during like the seventies and and moving forward, like the, the neoliberal policy was very much about. Uh, well, they're based. They're essentially capitalists. Right. Who, like, and they slowly started to make so that the jobs could go anywhere, but we were still bound by our boundaries, right? We, we, like, we couldn't go and live in, uh, in, in countries where they were like the argument when I was, uh, in, in college early on was that, that like, I remember that we were in a, in a class in, and someone was saying that like, no, you can't go into these countries and pay the same wages that you're paying in the U S right. Because you'll just destroy the economy. Um, but at the same time, we couldn't go there and live for the cheap standard of living that they had. And, and, and so, um, a lot of that, and that's what, like, that's essentially the race to the bottom concept. But I think that like, um, even the concept of the nation state is such, is, is, is like such a new fucking thing. Whereas like, I don't know for sure, but I, I mean, I think that like citizenship was very important in the Roman empire, but I don't think it was a thing for the the city states. I could be wrong, but mm. I don't think like you were a Florentine by like defining yourself, not because you couldn't go find work in Rome or sure. shit like that, right? Um, so it's an interesting way to keep people penned in. And then you have the problematic issue with the Middle East where they were just like, oh, we're just going to arbitrarily draw yeah, these draw lines. <laughs> oh, well, and like say God. that these are the boundaries, right? I know. And so, you know, and then like um, historically there have been cultures that were migratory, like fucking... No more of that shit, right? right. <laughs> so it's such a, it, like, for me, and, and, and I think the point of, uh, like, we are still um, e- exploiting people. We, we still have slavery, and that's right. not just rhetoric. Like, that is, we have monetized the imprisoning of people. And maybe I'll cut this out later, but, um, you know, the reason that it's okay for cops to shoot black people in a very real sense is because they are seen as, as, uh, well, it's dehumanization. It's dehumanization, but they're also seen as potential property, right? Instead of like, you know, right. Where, where, uh, whereas police are essentially a protected group like homosexuals like you know like you cannot speak about badly about cops <laughs> well you certainly can't prosecute them i mean yeah, just exactly. to, just today there's another one handed down that says you know uh the cop was in his right to shoot an unarmed black man and it's just like what if we didn't do that um but to speak on the the idea of the border right and and uh, um borders are inherently dehumanizing right it mm. says that mm-hmm. here's here's the line and here are the people who are are worthy and the, this other set of people is unworthy don't cross it right it, it depends on dehumanization I, I you know i'm i think people are freaked out by by terrorism i think that that's a really good way to stoke fear and say that mm. you know all these hondurans fleeing bloodshed or ecuadorians or Salvadorians um, fleeing bloodshed in their own own country, largely because wages are stagnant, the economy is a disaster because they've had right wing puppet dictor- dictators put in by us, which yeah. are succeeded by leftists who become dictators, um, and so you know what is the solution to that? And I. I I'm not sure I'm like, yes, open borders, but I also, I mean, the idea that we're cutting aid to those countries seems so counterintuitive, right? Like you have to, 
if you want to stop an immigration problem, you have to make life better for people. And the idea that you can't pay them the mm. same wages that are getting paid in the U.S., well, that's exactly why manufacturing has flooded the U.S., right? They're yeah. always going to go to the lowest price point. Of course, that's what we should be paying those people. They should be paying the exact same wages in Mexico that they're getting paid in the U.S. And um, I don't know how you do that. I'm not a political yeah. leader. I'm not a statesman. But well, actually, I would say that we should be getting paid better wages in the U.S. because that would help manufacturing <laughs> be over here. Right. Uh, well, it's Ford's theory, right? You, you, you pay your workers the wage that yeah. they can afford your product, which I'm not... It's it, 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 That's a little... Um, didactic for me but uh the the idea the idea is there right and it's yeah, not yeah. a bad one yeah well and he was also problematic yeah he's really <laughs> really problematic uh i think he had a uh a, a little bit of a nazi problem <laughs> a little bit of a nazi problem but he also yeah. had like a fucking henchman that did his like dirty bidding there's it, it's that dollar podcast all right I'll that's getting get a double it. double plug today all right um way but, to go dollar <laughs> But yeah, I, I and and my point with bringing up that you can't just go anywhere. I'm not mm -hmm. like advocating open borders. Uh, what I'm saying, what I'm advocating for is um, not exploiting other people's bad eco economic situation so that we <laughs> don't right. have one either, right? right? Like I feel like for a long, like in the '90s. There was talk of sweatshops, and you know, we were mm -hmm. the same generation, so you remember a lot oh, of yeah, this Kathy, stuff. Kathy Lee. Kathy Lee and all of that, um, and like Nike. Mm -hmm. I still don't wear Nike, even though I wear Adidas. No, Sam, it's yeah. like, um, you know, the no grapes, si se puede. Like, yeah. it's, it's in our culture as maybe Californians, maybe uh, just as liberals or leftists or whatever, but like... No Nikes, no grapes from the store. And it's just like, that's not even really the thing anymore, but like the. Well, and Adidas is probably just as guilty at oh, this I'm point sure. for, for, you know, because uh, that's just the way that the, the invisible hand of the market that right. we all worship. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, like. So that was sort of capitalism being unleashed on other people, mm -hmm. right? And now it's being internalized where like, and, and I, I, and I think it's indicative of the wealth gap that they're like, boo fucking who no one told you to get addicted to, to, to opiates, right? Right. It's, it's like, uh, um, it used to be class was very much tied to race, and that was how things were. But the 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 runaway wealth, right? The run right. the level of like power and influence that someone like Bezos has, like mm. sure, you know. Um, but then you see people. You can see that like even that shit can get re reined in because like it's like uh, the. Um, The Roman Empire falls, uh, you know, all the, all these, like, all the major power structures tend to fall when that sure. level of dis uh, uh, financial disparity becomes, like, right. untenable right. anymore, right? Because people can no longer, like, it's, it's essentially the French Revolution, right? Where it's like, <laughs> fuck you, you rich bastards right. living in Versailles, which, have you been to Versailles? I have not. Oh, dude, it's, like, fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen those mirrored hallways. <laughs> the fucking grounds are huge. Yeah. Dude. So, but, um, but yeah, for, for me, it's interesting. It's an interesting time where, um, where a lot of ideas that maybe have been considered problematic in the mm -hmm. past, you know, and, and very much like, like for my, I mean, my family, my, I wouldn't be in this country if it wasn't for refugees. And we did have open borders. Like right. Cubans are the only ones right. ever to have open yeah, borders. Yeah, was it dry foot, wet foot is the, the policy? Well, that was, that was even uh, later. That was during the Obama years before it was just like fucking no wet foot, dry foot. Wet foot, dry foot was a way of uh, keeping people that didn't make it on all the way all right. the way out so it was like right. a way to break it down but, but it used to be straight up like no you, you get here you fucking you know like they'll there's a there's a group called hermanos al rescate which is like brothers to the rescue which they is um they fly airplanes over the bay or, or you know in, in mm -hmm. or, or, like it's not a bay it's whatever the fuck that uh space between cuba and, and the peninsula is right 
but they just go and they they try to rescue people. Yeah, pick up people. I remember seeing the the photos of the people abandoned on the old. Um, what do they call it? The highway that goes out into the Keys, and there's these oh, yeah, floating yeah. pillars left of the old one, and there's people. There's people spent. I mean, that's what we should be doing with Venezuela right now. Is we, we should be saying we want you here. You know, you should. We have a population problem in the U.S., right? Like we we are declining. Our birth rates are declining, and we've seen it happen in you know most of the Western democracies, including Japan, is a really great example of an aging population. We need immigration if we want to continue to be the global economic yeah. superpower and military superpower that we seem to aspire to be. Um, you know, I don't think it matters that much if we're first in the world, though. And I think that, that a lot of our Americanism is tied to that idea of American exceptionalism. And, you know, I don't know that we are all that exceptional. Well, and, I mean, it's code for supremacy, right? right. It's it's like American supremacy. Dominance. Dominance. Right. And, um, and then there's also the petrodollar, which is kind of the, the thing that makes us dominant. So that's mm-hmm. like... Um, it's almost like the system is so entrenched that like to change it is terrifying. So it's easier to just go kill people. And the, and the other thing that's interesting is like, um, you know, one of the reasons that I think a lot of people like that, they had the open borders. First of all, was to, it, it, to create a brain drain Mm -hmm. right out of Cuba um, and I know that a lot of Cubans are very anti-communism. I'm right. not pro-communism. I'm more interested in socialism. But right. communism didn't have an easy go at it because of uh, uh, we didn't make it easy. For U.S. Them. intervention, yeah, right? Yes. Uh, so well, Stalinistic communism is so problematic, right? Because well, yeah, it, it's dictatorship. I'm, but there yeah. there are good features to you know social programs. It's just. You talk about brain drain. That's what they talk about. You know, people fleeing the Soviet Union at the, the at the end there, where yeah. the wall came down and stuff. And you know, the smartest, richest Russians either capitalized off of state-run enterprises, which then they profit uh, profited from, or they moved to Western Europe. You yeah. know, um, because that system in in that form and that Stalinistic form just doesn't doesn't seem to work. No, 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 no. Yeah, but my but. My point is that they don't open the borders to people that are not going to be on the right, right? Like, right. like they, they <laughs> right. And Cubans are famously Republican, Republican voters, right? which yeah. is one of the more frustrating things on the planet. <laughs> uh, fucking Florida, Jesus Christ! Well, and, every election, and that's and that's why the debates were held in Florida. Of right. all the fucking places they could have the debates, they went. You know, the debates which used to be run by the League of Women Voters and now is. Uh, is is put on television for profit. You know, it used to right. be on C-SPAN. It used to be, it used to be like, uh, <laughs> not a money making opportunity. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I think that uh, you know, it's obviously true that that borders are contrived. They depend on dehumanization. But I think that the other big theme here that we can sort of draw from the conversation is that um, there has to be a loser in capitalism, right? Yeah. For, for there to be winners, there have to be worker bees who are therefore not earning that money. And it's just become so disproportionate in the last 20 years, um, the amount that a CEO makes versus, you know, their average worker or even... No. you know, an officer or whatever in, 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 in a higher position, um, it is inherent to our system that, that you have winners and losers. And, and it, it, until you somehow break that. And I think when I say break that, I'm talking about like actual physical violent revolution, no. um, because of the entrenchment. Like, I, I don't know what the answer is. Well, it's frustrating. I'm not a revolutionary, but like if I need to be, I guess I would be. <laughs> I, I used to sort of feel like that. Um, but, and uh, whatever, I, I don't necessarily want to make it about endorsing a camp, a candidate right. over, over other people. But, uh, cause I actually am not necessarily like, he's not my first choice. I'd actually prefer someone that's less, uh, uh, regime change war pro-regime change war like tulsi which i know that for uh, the gay community she is problematic she is really problematic yeah but um but 
for for the thing that gets me emotionally mostly mm -hmm. is is like just like you know uh imperialism yeah. <laughs> and and so that's why i prefer prefer her but one of the things that bernie's campaign is about like when when we had the obama years it was like hope i'll go in there you give me the job i'll go in i'll take care of it whereas <clears throat> what his campaign and what and i didn't really understand the first time around what his um what his policies were uh or what, what his what he meant by sorry not what his policies were what he meant by a revolution mm -hmm. but what his basically claim is that what he's going to do is when he's in office he's going to you know how trump does the trump rallies yeah yeah like he's just going to do that and like try to primary <laughs> democrats right. with uh, you know so like an essentially a, a leftist tea party kind of movement yeah he's problematic to me because if he wants to run as a democrat in the democratic field i think he should be a registered democrat running as a democrat in the senate um, but I, I still have really bad feelings about the 2016 campaign and Tad yeah. Devine, who was his campaign manager and sort of the misogyny that came out of that. And, um, you know, I see Elizabeth Warren, um, as, as sort of Hillary, like, and I, I worry that she's going to have some of the same problems, even though she's so much more affable. Um, yeah. but, it, but the campaign that they ran was really about, it was nasty, and and I still have bad feelings. I would never. What, what was nasty about the Bernie campaign? I, it was the subtleties of of sort of a misogynistic language, and just sort of like the sort of code switching that they did when they so discuss it. And it wasn't Bernie himself. I, sh I no, should no, make no, that no. Really clear. I, I just, it was just Chad Devine and this other guy. I can't remember his name. Who was like the campaign spokesman. Just out of curiosity, you said that you watch a lot of news. Like, what right. what news networks do you watch? Uh, or do you watch? So I listen. Network? I listen to NPR whenever I'm in the car. I mm. read Politico every day. I watch MSNBC and um, okay. PBS. Um, I I'm I'm definitely someone who's aware of, and and you need to be aware of the sort of language that they use on MSNBC, right? Like, yeah. it definitely. You have to sift through it, especially in like the opinion. But you know, Maddow is really great. She's so she's just the yeah. smartest person in I the world. I have real problems with her, but really? we don't have to get into interesting. It. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and 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 it's uh, like um, mostly having to do with the Russiagate thing. But mm. it seems like I, like I, the reason I asked you was not to like challenge you, right? Uh, the reason just because uh, just to get an idea of what you are what you're consuming you, yeah when i you, yeah. you know they every now and then um they'll, I, I, they'll I mean, come out with a where where each network where each newspaper falls on the spectrum and i'm always uh, to the left you know new york times yeah. washington post la times those are sort of i find those see so again i i, I find those very centrist and very right yeah. Like I I I I exist in a much farther left uh, space, right. uh, which which is you know like I don't like, um, I I have issues with NPR that I I wasn't gonna like bring up, but just like I have, uh, I do feel like you know like for example I've seen a couple of things, or. You know, my main thing is like during the Bush years or Bush years, they were very anti-war, right? Right, and I remember, I don't have the research to back this up, which is why I've never really said it uh, on the show. But uh, but I remember that it was a big thing that um, that uh, what Bush the Bush administration was trying to do was change up their funding scheme to open so that they would be less to the left and i have recently seen them post uh, uh i don't really listen to it but i've seen them post some articles that were essentially just reprinting trump propaganda on mm. on uh, venezuela where it, which like you know that's fair that's like uh sure if that's not the entire organization you know but uh i also feel like it is radio radio for people of privilege and it is made for a leftist community that exists throughout the entire united states so uh it's not as far left as it could be 
right and as it used to be and that's the problem that i have with it like during the bush years they went after it right they they were the only fucking place that was really challenging them aside from like well rachel maddow started off i used to listen to rachel maddow air america air america and and she took over for mark maron's show uh and then uh ed schultz was on air america as well Air America, Ed Schultz got fired from Air, uh, from MSNBC. He's just such a blowhard. <laughs> He's but but you know his his whole brand was very much working class yeah. people, blue right? Collar. It was blue collar. It was it, it was boring as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't get fired for being boring. He got fired for covering Bernie Sanders, huh. right? And and so interesting. Yeah. So, like, I even you know, I watch some of the like you you know who Kal Kalinsky is. I don't think I do. Okay, so Kal Kalinsky and uh, and what's his name, Chen Kuger, and mm. the 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 Young Turks, the Young Turks, and uh, so all of these guys with uh, Chatterbeady or whatever, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 chief of staff for Ocasio Cortez, mm-hmm. and another woman whose name escapes me right now. Uh, the, these guys aren't part of the Justice Democrats anymore, but they're on the left. And even them, I listen to and I'm like, nah, you know, like yeah. <laughs> their takes are like sometimes uh, I just find that like if you're not disagreeing with the media that you're <laughs> right. that you're well, consuming all the time. And for me, NPR just enrages me because their worldview is very much outside of my experience. Right. I don't what, need a puff piece on the LA farmers market, right? Like yeah. when that's, there's a crisis at the border. That's the least egregious right. thing. Like oh. I I find I find that they fall and and they do good work as well, but I find that they are prone to pity porn. To become pity porn where they tell you about marginalized communities and through sympathy, they're still othering them. They're right. still, you know, they may, they're, they, they, there's an attempt to humanize, but sometimes it feels like tokenism and exploitative, right? right? You know, and, and and not necessarily through bad intention, but through the formulaic uh, aspects of, sure. you know, like it, it is, it, it, it is, it does have a very specific. Um, dynamic and it does have a very or sorry uh not dynamic it has a very specific aesthetic yeah. right um and and so i wish the main thing that everybody that's on the left listens mm-hmm. to was more left <laughs> i don't disagree with you i think that the important part is just critical thinking and being able to separate punditry yeah. from news um and that's why I like, I think that's why I gravitate towards those hard news sources yeah. because I don't, I don't, I am able to discern from the, you know, I'm always over my maximum limit for, uh, the New York times articles, but, but if you they're do always it, pro-war, that's that, that's where, I, you know, like there, there's never been a war that, that the New York times doesn't want us to go to sure. and the, and the post. So that's where that, that's where I, I still read them. Yeah. I read them. But, uh, you know, but, but yeah, and I, and, and I want to clarify, I used to like Rachel Maddow. Mm-hmm. I used to really enjoy her, but in 2016, this whole like red scare thing and the whole, like just watching that shit unravel and it started off as collusion and just like it, uh, you know, at some point you have to ask yourself is, is like the $30,000 a day you're making yeah. <laughs> influencing what you're doing kind of thing. Um, whereas like, I mean, NBC is also a defense contractor. Sure. <laughs> General Electric. Yeah. Right. So it, and then, um, my, I, th- uh, you know, Microsoft and the Pentagon are uh, going to be taking over our uh, voting machines and shit. So okay. there's a lot of shit that just falls through the clack, the cracks. I, I think right now I used to like the guardian, the guardian sucks now too. Huh. It's super inconsistent. I really like the intercept. I really like Glenn Greenwald. I think he's solid. But I also find that there's like a bit of a, like, news organizations don't criticize each other, like the Mm -hmm. legacy ones. MSNBC doesn't really criticize Fox even that much, right? Right. They kind of just stay in their own lanes. Sure. But what they do go after are, like, the YouTube uh, or videos, right? Like, the the YouTube, uh, I would say that they are people that read articles, and they're essentially pundits. Yeah. But they're, uh, 
if it's outside of like the na- main narrative, it get mm-hmm. it, it gets a little bit marginalized and stuff like that. And they're like, they're, well, they're it's getting... chaos porn. I mean, the the whole Trump administration and sort of the coverage of it yeah. is sort of this excitement for disaster, which seems really strange. And sifting through that um, can be quite difficult. I mean, it's like every day there's some new revelation or whatever. And, you know, for me, it's just like, let the investigators do their work. Let's hear what they have to say. Yeah. If we're headed towards, uh, you know, dictatorship, then we need to do something else. Certainly. Um, but do you I, feel, uh, do you worry that we're headed towards the state? I do. I do. I think this okay. ends with tanks around the white house, which is a quote from, you know, maybe John Dean or one of the Nixon associates. They didn't think that, he had the personality type to be able to resign. And it, it, I mean, and that's talking about Nixon, who was a pretty logical guy. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he did a lot of bad, but you know, he also formed the EPA and clean air act and, um, no, he's, you know, he's, things yeah. a Republican would never think of doing today and well, have no, been trying to gut to ever since. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and actually Obamacare comes out of a plan designed by Teddy Kennedy and Richard Nixon, which was that, uh, your healthcare would be provided by your employer the, as a mandate. And more um, recently from, uh, from the heritage foundation, which is that think tank, right. Which, yeah. uh, which is how Romney established yeah. it in, in Massachusetts. Yeah. So those are all Republican ideas. It's just the Republican party has gone so far to the well, right. I agree with you about, uh, about leftism and, you know, when you, there's a great book, um, uh, called America the Unusual that I had to read in political science class and basically just sets up for you why we are the way we are. And it's because of the patterns of immigration, um, essentially from Europe and sort of the two different types of people who came, Puritans with sort of these upstanding moral, religious, whatevers. And then I think he calls the other class, uh, the Cavaliers who were mm-hmm. more settled in the South and were looking for adventure. They were looking for a new life. They were looking to establish. Yeah. So you have these two sort of conflicting factors and they sort of switch back and forth and their nuances interchange, I would say quite a bit. Um, but I, I, that book does a really good job laying out where we are. So to, to talk about where I, how I think this ends, I, I don't think Trump relinquishes power. I don't think he has any intention to, and I think, um, I, I'm still of the belief that the last election probably had quite a bit of voter fraud. I think that, um, it's hard to prove. Um, and I'm yeah, not talking I, about in California. I'm talking about, it, I don't I, think he won the States that they say he won the way I, he said he won it. I, I don't know about that. I, but I do agree with you in that, or here's my, I wish that had been also part of the, uh, uh, let's call it the neoliberal mm-hmm. viewpoint that, uh, not just, hey, Russia it fucked with our election, which it increasingly is getting harder for people to say anything that isn't speculative. Right. Like, like that, well, like, because it sort of just ended up in the, well, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> right. And I should make the claim that I have no evidence to back that up whatsoever. No, 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 I just no, know no. the polls that I was following going into the election. Oh, and, totally, and then totally. everything was just like tweaked ever so slightly. But and I, I don't know that social media actually has that. It definitely influences the election, but I'm I'm just not sure that it the, the wasn't a dirty election. Oh yeah, no, but I mean I don't. I mean I agree with you in terms of like yeah, I was in Florida yeah. <laughs> during that election. But uh, here's a question that I have for you: Do you think that? And and uh, I mean I'm going to disagree with you if I disagree with you. Right. But uh, no, and I appreciate do you, that. Do you think that uh, Bush is? Are you nostalgic for Bush the way that people are, uh, say that they are? Because I find that seriously problematic uh, because a lot of the problems that um, that I care about today mm-hmm. in terms of not invading other countries <laughs> sure. uh, all come from there. That's where we, we went from two wars with him and then Obama gave us five more to get us to seven. And so for me, like the more I, I know, I like it's it's more relativism to be sure that to say that like uh, 
well, we've been killing brown people in Honduras and mm-hmm. in all these places all along through starvation, through sanctions, like you acknowledged and, and, and shit like that. Um, but now that they're dying in our, in cages at our borders, that's the fucking problem. That's the breaking point. Like sure. for me, that is sort of, um, you know, I don't want kids to die anywhere, Right. but if they're going to get, if we're going to get visibility on this broader issue because they're dying at the border, that speaks to Trump's incompetence. And I'd rather have someone brutally incompetent fucking up our imperialist system that, that, you know, and I understand that that's problematic and I'm mm-hmm. not, and, and I'm not saying that you're saying in comparison to Bush who was going yes, out and starting. I'm not saying, yes. Thank you for, thank you for helping me with that. I'm, the, the, my problem is, is, is sort of the, the slow and steady erosion of sort of diplomatic norms in terms of, like you're talking about Honduras. Was it better that a kid dies on our border than of starvation in their own country? Well, I mean, there are diplomatic solutions to that that don't involve war but that but that's not that's that my point is that that the policy has not been diplomatic the policy has been to over you you know uh leftist leaders that get elected in latin american countries aren't always dictators and 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 to a large degree we have as a culture been lied a lot about who hugo chavez was Mm -hmm. because if you get into understanding what he is, right, uh, and and um, he's much less problematic than fucking Simon Bolivar, mm-hmm. <laughs> who it, it actually did have ambitions of, you know, it's a be- Bolivarian revolution, but he, uh, Bolivar did actually think that he could be the dictator of, like, whatever this region that he was sure. trying to make, right? Um, but... Uh, like Venezuela, so so a lot of times, so like one of the biggest crimes that, and it goes back to that petrodollar thing, one of the biggest crimes that, uh, oh, and we're already almost, we are already at time, so we're going to wrap this up real quick <laughs> and have you back on because, no, I, you're definitely very much welcome back because I, love this. I like I like the gap. I, I think that we agree on a lot of things and I like the gap yeah. and, and, and I want to bridge it rather than like, uh, um, even if we don't necessarily ever fully agree, like sure. just like, I like these conversations, right? No, Which is why I always say, if you are a conservative artist, come out because the notion that artists are all on the left is right. ludicrous because there are a lot of fucking centrists out there yeah. that, you know, um, so what is happening is this, and this is where it goes into the the, the capitalism is based on slavery and mm-hmm. exploitation. What the problem is is that he doesn't want to allow other countries, other uh, wealthier countries like ours, like our extraction industry, into his country. He's uh, uh, Maduro is problematic. He has uh, human rights abuses, acknowledged right. very much so, under very stren- strenuous conditions, though. Right? We are sanctioning them, and when we sanction somebody, and babies die because they can't get medicine, medicine is being withheld. They, they are setting up situations where um, the capitalists within the country are withholding goods. Right. Right. And so, people get a lot of subsidized food. The, the you know so. Um, but the main issue that we have with Venezuela is not that he's a dictator. The main issue that we have with Venezuela is that he's not letting corporate greed get into their economy. And he's trying, he try, it's the same thing that happened with Iran. They're trying, there's, it's an attempt to nationalize the oil. Right. right? And, 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 and the financial industries, right? So they're basically... You know, like they have Sitco, which is a part of the American system, and then and they're sure. like, "Yo, all of this money is going to this guy who declared himself president, right. and he's a right rightist guy." It's just the same thing. It's the same people. It's my. It's John Bolton and and uh, Elliot Abrams, right? right. Uh, so, for me, that's something that like someone like Elizabeth Warren isn't going to address because she comes from a state where the money comes from that. The money comes from that machine. That's why she's out there saying things like, uh, uh, a "Green, you know, uh, we need to make our bases <laughs> uh, ecologically sound," mm-hmm. as opposed to just like 
we don't need to have a fucking base everywhere, right? right. <laughs> yeah, the sort of the imperialism of the, the U.S., which is, seems to be the last imperial power, is problematic, although I would say that uh, the Russians have done a pretty good job of hanging on to their sort of imperial assets. And like the Chinese Syria. Are, on, on, are, are fucking stepping up. And what's happening is they're getting an alliance well, against us, the Russians all and over, the Chinese. You know, and the Chinese are all over uh, Latin America and Africa yeah. doing the development projects that we should be doing that are... That are the sorts of projects which prevent the sort of mass migration. That's Where did happening you hear right about now. that? Because that, I'm surprised that you are aware of that. Well, uh, based on what you've read, what you told your sources, you told me. Uh, I this would be a, either AP Associated Press or, okay. or an NPR piece. But you know they're building. They they are literally building a Silk Road, like a giant highway that goes from China uh, across. Nepal or whatever, all the way through Kazakhstan and mm-hmm. over into, um, you know, kind of like the Bosphorus region. Um, it, it is a, a, a road on a scale that, that no one has ever imagined. But, you yeah. know, if you want to look at big projects, look at the Chinese. They, yeah. they're, they're pretty good at that stuff. Um, and they're doing uh, economic development in Africa and, and in South America because they're filling the void, basically. Because we, I mean, we don't even have a diplomatic mission anymore. The State Department is so depleted. They're winning so much goodwill. Yeah. And it's terrifying because they also want to implement the social credit system. So, <laughs> oh, which is just absolutely bonkers. That is so such like, like. Those are the people winning the goodwill. I'm not ready to live in 1984 or in like, you know, whether it be Fahrenheit or uh, 1984 or Blade Runner, whichever one, pick one. I don't want to live in that. And that seems to be um, the militarization of the Internet is really kind of the scariest thing, I think, that's going on right now. One last thing before we close up, which is me making a plea to your... Uh, to you in terms of understanding why I would like you to get over the, the Bernie not being a Democrat thing. Uh And, and (laughs) no, and, and this is me making, trying to persuade you. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to be clear about my intention, Sure, but you can, you don't have to take, you know, I will tell you just to preface this. I, I've, since I've had Facebook, Bernie Sanders is, uh, there were two senators that I followed and one was Warren and one was Sanders for years, for years yeah. and years before he ever ran for president. And really it was that cam- campaign that was problematic for yeah, me. Yeah. It's not Bernie himself. I think he okay. no, no, no. totally right minded. And I don't, I do not, I do not know about, I didn't, I see it through my, through the sources that I pick right. that, that are favorable to him because I try to not read articles that are just, just bashing him. Yeah. yeah. Cause like you can do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. And, and sometimes I do just to get a sense of like what the criticism are but sure uh but i find that the left is also pretty good at criticizing the left from the left right? absolutely like, i mean uh, that's always been a problem right yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think right now the problem is that we're attacking trump from the right like uh i think that that's what pelosi and 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 chuck schumer are doing they're constantly they, like they're like hey why aren't you going to war with iran <laughs> you got to ask for our permission but you should still go to war with iran yeah you know? i don't know i you God, uh, you know, the Republicans have had a plan in, in place since the Reagan administration to pack the courts, which is honestly the only thing that matters. Um, yeah. And so I'm really intrigued by, you know, again, to mention Buttigieg, uh, his idea of expanding the courts, which is something that uh, Franklin Roosevelt tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they called it packing the courts, and it, it didn't end up happening when it, during his sort of New Deal programs and stuff like that near the end of his presidency before his death. Um, but it just... Um, so the conservative sway of the court is, is sort of the most important thing. And it's kind of the only thing that's holding our democratic institutions together right now. And and by the court, I mean the entire court system, especially the appellate courts and like our ninth district, which is the most liberal court in the nation that, that they're now putting, um, you know, nominees onto that don't have blue slips from our state senators, which is totally unprecedented. Yeah. But um, so going back to specifically the being mad at Bernie for being an independent, oh, yeah. yeah. No, I don't, no, he should. I, I mean, I think that's what he should do. But if he's going to going to run for president, run as a democratic socialist. Damn it, you know. I'm not so, saying he'd be a spoiler, but if he if he wins oh, the as nomination, a diff- then, as a separate party. 
I, I, I think so. I mean, if that's where your but ideals see, okay, lie. I totally, I totally understand that it's a rational argument, right? Right. What I'm interested, one of the things that I'm most fascinated is also value pluralism and moral relativism, right? right. Where, which is that like ideas taken to their full extent can also always like collide that, that right. seem rational. Now, we're always told that we live in a two-party system, right? Which right? is unfortunate, and it's also it, it, and it's 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 like um, sexuality has an entire has been opened up to be non-binary, but political sure. ideology hasn't. You know, <laughs> yeah, you get you get two choices, and it, you know, I, I don't like comparing the Republicans and the Democrats. I do not think that they are the same. I think that the Democrats have a. Uh, they are problematic ties to Wall Street, but I think that policy-wise, they are just heads and tails above you know what the Republicans are trying to do, which is strip away healthcare, take away women, women's right to choose. I think um, I think people are still very much, especially people that consider themselves on the left, are still very much feeling sold out by absolutely, Obama. Absolutely, and, and you know what we need is a multi-party system. We need a parliamentary system. Unfortunately, we did this. Um, Do you know Mike this Democratic Republic before anyone else, and we got it wrong. Uh, the parliamentary systems are more functional. Don't look at the UK at the moment, but no, the UK actually. Someone was talking about the UK recently. Anyway, we can wrap it up because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just going back and forth. No, but, um, but it dude, the two party so, system is the problem. I think we we come to the agreement on I that. I mean, that there's there so many fucking diversity. problems, and I, um, I don't think I don't think that there are disagreements with uh, with us uh, politically that would not that that would like. Uh, um, lead to a huge heated argument. No, you know, I, I, I think that imagine. it's just nuance, like slight nuances, sure. which is fine. But I do, you know, like the, did we do this on Mike when you were talking about, uh, all right. May, did we talk about on Mike when, when, cause we had such a big conversation. I'm probably going to cut this part out about the white uh, being a white person, not being able to, uh, to sure having access to yeah. neither like growing up gay, having act, you know the white community didn't want me in the, in our previous conversation. I was saying I just sort of raised myself in Long Beach. You know, yeah. I grew up. I was twenty one. I was gay. What do you do? You go to a gay bar, and gay bars are the most inclusive places on the planet. Um, and I say that without any irony, right? No, like yeah, yeah. That, that is literally like the rainbow flag is a rainbow because of that. And now there, you know, there's, that's been problematized as well, but let's take it as like you, you, you grow up in a community that is inherently diverse, right? Yeah. Like gay people are not associated by their race or religion. They're associated by their sexual preference. And, and that association takes place in the gay bar. So, um, it's been frustrating in the contemporary to, um, as a, as a white man who never really had, you know, I, I benefit from the privileges of being white, but I'm also, um, you know, affected by the demonization of the other. Yeah, yeah. But currently I don't necessarily have agents to talk agency to talk about otherness because we're talking about like the hyper contextualization of be it race, gender, uh, sexuality, whatever, where every, everyone is fitting into smaller and smaller slots yeah. instead of talking about sort of um, more unifying themes. And so that's been frustrating, I would say. No, and and, and that's the reason I, I wanted you to say it on mic, because that was one of the things in, in, in our conversation that maybe didn't make it on mic that I sure. found very very helpful because like I told you, uh, it, it it's not something that I necessarily think of. And sometimes I feel like, like we, uh, I'm telling you something you already know, so it's a little awkward. But uh, the the idea that it does sometimes feel like, uh, m you know, women and gay white men uh, as or uh, even more so than uh, lesbians, I would mm -hmm. say, um, they are easier to be heard from people that you might be related to them. You get what I'm saying? Sure. There's agency to speak with people with whom you disagree in a way that, um, you know, minorities based on race might not feel or because of sort of institutional racism have never, never had that agency. Fucking so eloquently said, thank you. <laughs> Cause I was stumbling with it, but yeah, no. And, and, and I had not considered that. So I, that's right. why I like talking to people that, 
uh, don't agree with me all the time. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and like, I, and not that you don't agree with me, but that, uh, I think that we're try we're, we're people that are engaged and are trying to find common ground. And I like that, that about this conversation, because when there's a disagreement, it's more of a, like a, Oh, so wait, hold on. That's interesting. Cause right. I see it this way rather than like, you're fucking wrong, right. <laughs> which yeah, well, I really we appreciate. In, we live in the era of being able to, you know, unfollow someone on Facebook with whom we disagree and it's yeah. dangerous, you know, you yeah, should be yeah. able to talk about and talk through disagreements because I don't, again, it's just like dehumanization of the other side. That That's our biggest problem. And that's, you know, also is the reason we're able to go to war. It's the reason we have, yes. we have borders. It's the economic inequality that we suffer as serfs to our feudal lords. Um, <laughs> again, be they our boss, our landlord or our, our gallery. Um, and so, so maybe the primary takeaway in this discussion of water and land rights and, <laughs> and oil uh, is is that de- dehumanization is is really the, the the key to all of this. Once you can uh, uh, remove empathy from another person, it, it's really easy to, uh, you know, as they say, slippery slope to yeah. sort of fascism. Yes. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure. Anything you'd like to plug? Your your uh, Instagram is uh, Kellen Barnaby. Kellen Barnaby King, spelled B A R N E B E Y, which is kind of a weird one. Okay. Uh, Kellen Barnaby King, and uh, my website is kellenbarnaby.com, and uh, our Monta Vista website is montavistaprojects.com. Yeah. I want to give how many people is it at Monta Vista? Uh, there's about eight of us right now. What's My Thesis is produced by Javier Proenza, who is talking in the third person. Reach out at whatsmythesis at gmail.com and follow us on all social media at whatsmythesis. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you donate to our Patreon, this is where I'll give you a shout out and make up what kind of art you make based entirely on your name and nothing else.